Well, good morning, everyone. For those of you who are visiting with us, we have been studying the book of Galatians over the last several months, and we continue our study this morning. And so I'd invite you to turn to the book of Galatians at this time, chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. If you're using the Pew Bible that is provided for you, uh, it's on page 975, 975 in your Pew Bible. Now, the book of Galatians is actually a letter. It was a letter that was written in the first century to a group of young churches in what is now modern-day Turkey. And they needed some guidance. The author of the letter is a man named Paul. In his early life, Paul opposed the spread of Christianity. He did not want the message of Jesus and the number of people who believed in this message to continue to grow. And while he was on his way to stop the spread of the news of Jesus being proclaimed, he was stopped in his tracks. The book of Acts tells us that the resurrected Christ appeared to him and changed his heart and gave to him a mission that he was to stop persecuting this message and begin to preach this message. Paul believed and he was baptized. And from that point on, Paul became a leader in sharing this good news. He traveled with other companions around the Roman Empire, sharing the message of forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life to all who turn from their evil ways and in faith follow the way of Christ. While on one of his journeys to spread the gospel, Paul got sick. And he had to be taken up into the mountain country of Galatia. While he was there, he took the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with those whom he encountered. And God did an amazing work. He gave these men and women faith to believe in Jesus Christ and to follow after Him. They were freed from the guilt of their sin and from all the harmful and evil ways they used to seek to deal with their sin. The people of Galatia had toiled under the burden of their broken lives and the fear that all was meaningless. But the Gospel freed them from this cycle of harmful and sinful behavior. And they received it. And in joy, they were daily growing in the implications of the freedom won for them in Christ Jesus. However, sometime after Paul left to continue his work, False teachers invaded this body of young believers and started to disrupt the pure and true gospel of Jesus Christ. For they were teaching that certain rituals and practices needed to be taken up to be truly accepted into the family of God. The particular ritual in dispute was circumcision, but this was merely the beginning the reality was that once rituals and ceremonies and calendars replaced faith in the work of Jesus Christ, the freedom of the gospel would be lost. And so Paul wrote this letter that we have had preserved for us over the centuries to this group of young believers to encourage them, to exhort them not to fall back into the slavery of sin or of ritualism 
but rather to embrace and to live out their true freedom in Christ Jesus. And this is the word that God has for us today. That for all of us who have received the gospel of Jesus Christ and the freedom that He has won for us, that we too are not to fall back into sin or to give in to ritualism, but to embrace our freedom in Christ. So hear now the word of the Lord. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and following. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you now and this day and we call out to you that you would guide us by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light and in your truth find true freedom and in your will discover your peace for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now that you are free, what are you going to do? This is the question I think that probably many of our children and the youth are asking themselves this Sunday. For many of you, your school ended last week, and for the rest of you, I believe it's going to end this Wednesday. And stretched out before you is the vast summer. What will you do with the free time that you have? Will you go on vacation to the beach or to the lake? Will you travel to see cousins or grandparents? Will you stay up late and sleep in? Will you binge watch Disney Plus or Netflix? Will you go hiking or camping or swimming or just hang out with your friends? Will you get a summer job or take summer classes to catch up or get ahead? I'm sure that many of you already have your summer planned out. And with the lifting of COVID restrictions, many of us are feeling the need to make up for a summer that was largely restricted last year. We have freedom. What are we going to do with it? This dilemma is often before us, but also often neglected. What will we do with our freedom? We look forward to the summer, but if we are not prepared for the summer, we can become bored within a week or two. As parents, our freedom comes later. We work and work with our children, feeding, caring, guiding, driving, driving, 
driving. And then they're gone. And they grow up. And the nest is empty. And the activity stops. What do you do with your freedom? When you come to retirement and you're finally free from the obligation of employment after working for decades, the question lies before you, what am I going to do with the freedom that I now have? This may may be the most important question that faces college freshmen. So if you're about to start college, listen closely. What are you going to do with the freedom that you now have from your parents' oversight? Will you allow your freedom to devolve into license? Staying up all night, sleeping through classes, failing to study, having the best time $25,000 in tuition can buy you? Or will you fear the freedom? Doubt yourself. Rely upon mom and dad to care for you from afar. Will they have to call you every morning to wake you up for class? Will you rely upon them to set your schedule, proofread your papers, work out disputes with your professors? You see, freedom can lead to license, or we can be so scared of our freedom that we fall back under the law. But there's another way forward. For you can use your freedom that has been given to you to grow in maturity and competency. You can embrace the challenge of taking care of yourself and the joy of making the right decisions on your own. For you have been given freedom. But what will you do with it? And here is the question that is before all of us this morning. How are we to live well when we have been given such great freedom? when we don't have the restraints that used to control our time and our actions, how will we live? And this is the question that was before the Galatians in our passage for this morning. How are they to live now that they have received such great freedom in Christ? Will they return to the safety and the structure of legalism? Believing that if they follow these rituals and these rites and these calendars, that they will stay safely in line? Or will they give in to the license of sin, saying, now I am free and I will throw off the restraints of God's law and allow the flesh to lead me? Or will they seek a third way? Will they walk in the power of the Spirit, growing in maturity, in fruitfulness, and in service. In verse 13, Paul says, You were called to freedom, brothers. This is what you were called to, to freedom. And to you, Christian, the Word of God is saying, You are called to freedom. Not to return to slavery. Not to give in to license. But to fulfill God's purposes for your life. To serve your neighbor." In love. Do you want to walk in the freedom that Christ has won for you? Do you want to know how to live with maturity and fruitfulness in this life? Well, what we will see in our text is that to live in this freedom, every Christian is called to fulfill the law, to fight the flesh, and to follow the Spirit. So the first thing that we see in our text is that we are called to walk 
in the freedom won for us in Christ by fulfilling the law of God through love. Look down at your text beginning in verse 13. There we read these words. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now we've come to a rather unexpected conclusion, our aim to the freedom that we have received in Christ. You see, we have been given freedom, but Paul here says we have been given freedom that we might serve. We might think of these two things as on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Freedom means I get to do what I want. But Paul is saying that the freedom you have been given is a freedom to be used to serve one another. For through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been freed from the burden of the law. We were under the law. We were under its penalty, namely death. But the Word of God tells us that Christ took on the law, that He was born under the law to redeem us. He took on the penalty. He died on the cross. He took the punishment for our sins and freed us from the legal requirement and obligation of the law. You see, by our sin, we broke the law. And through breaking the law, we brought upon ourselves God's just punishment. But Jesus was willing to take our punishment, to stand in our place, and to free us from sin and death. And before we can get to the question of what do you do with your freedom, you must first ask yourself, have I already been freed in Christ? For the only way to receive the freedom that Christ offers us is for us to turn from our sin, to repent from the ways that we have broken God's Word, and in faith trust the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Believe and trust in Him that He has died for our sins. And even in this moment, the Gospel is freely offered to all who are gathered here. If in your heart you feel the Holy Spirit through the Word of God calling you to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, you can receive Him even now. He calls all to come to Himself. And once we receive that freedom, we must understand that it has a purpose. There is a reason that we have been freed from the burden of the law. And it is so that we would fulfill the law. You see, the promise of the new covenant is given in Jeremiah 31. There the prophet says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. You see, the purpose of our salvation is that the law would be written upon our hearts. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, we read about the purpose of our election. In verse 4 it says that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Why? Why has God chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world? That we should be holy 
and blameless before Him. Romans chapter 8, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. You see, salvation comes only by God's grace and not by works of man. It is received only by faith and not through adherence to the law. But the faith that alone saves never comes alone. The grace that elects us and writes the law upon our hearts does not just come alone, but it comes with the power to fulfill the law of God by the Holy Spirit. You see, we are saved from under the law so that we might fulfill the purpose of the law. Now there are times when we get this mixed up in our minds and it is so crucial that we understand the proper order. We are not saved by works, but we are saved to works. God receives us as we are, sinners unable to offer Him anything of worth, But He does not leave us as we are, but He calls us to fulfill the law. Paul says that the whole of the law can be fulfilled with this one word, this one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now Paul is quoting the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is also what the Lord Jesus said when asked, What is the greatest commandment? He says, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You see, to love God, to love your neighbor, is the fulfillment of the law. It is the greatest commandment. And it is the purpose of all God's commandments that we would properly love God and one another. Now, does this merely mean that we have the proper feelings towards God and others? No. It is not the empty, transitory, self-serving love that so often defines modern relationships. Rather, the love that is spoken here is clearly defined by self-sacrifice. This Memorial Day weekend, we are reminded of the men and women who are willing to offer their lives in love so that we might have the freedom we enjoy in our country today. And this offering of a life is reflective of Jesus' own words in John chapter 15. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And this is why you have been freed, Christian, that you might willingly lay down your life in service to one another. Not to be crushed under the burden of the law by your sin, but rather to offer your life in love and service to others. To take up your cross daily as Christ calls you to. How are you to walk in your freedom? You are to take on serving and loving one another. For you are to fulfill the law, not through ritual, but through love.
In a few weeks from now, my wife April will be out of town for a couple of days, along with all five of our children. And I'm already thinking and planning about what I'm going to do with my freedom. In my mind, I imagine that in these two days, I'm going to get a whole week's worth of work done. I'm going to clean the house, I'm going to manicure the lawn, and I'm going to work out at least two or three times. I have great plans for my freedom. Despite the fact that I never actually ever get much accomplished while they're gone because my routine is so thrown off by their absence. In reality, I'll most likely work a normal day, come home, microwave some food, and fall asleep in front of the TV around 9 o'clock. I think that freedom will give me opportunity to do more, to serve more, but it often just leads to increased laziness. And it is to this tendency that Paul now turns his attention. It's the tendency to allow our freedom from the law to lead us to moral laxity and license. Look again at verse 13 and following. Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. You see, if we are called the freedom in Christ, so often the temptation is to give in to license. Who of us have not seen, are not familiar with stories of children who were raised in overly restrictive homes or environments? And once they are freed from the restraints of those environments, instead of finding a perfect balance of living in this world, they exercise license. They are freed from their burden, and so then they go headlong into all of the things that they are restricted from all of their life. And what Paul is saying is, you have been freed from the burden of the law, but do not allow that freedom from the burden of the law to lead you to break the law. The principle that Paul is sharing is that once you have been freed from the burden of the law, this will be a huge temptation to give in to sin. The law is what kept us in line for our lives. Now you're saying that Christ has set me free. That means I don't have to worry about holiness, right? I don't have to worry about obedience. I'm free to do as I please. And God will just accept me because I have freedom in Christ. But this is not at all what Paul is teaching. He addresses this question in Romans when he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in us? Christ has set us free. He set us free from the law, but the freedom that He has won for us has also set us free from sin. We have been forgiven and accepted into the family of God, but not to give in to the flesh, but to walk in holiness. I know that you have experienced this dynamic in your own life because I've experienced it myself often. You know that there is some 
sin that you're not to indulge in. But you begin to rationalize a little bit. You say, well, I know I'm forgiven and I know I shouldn't do this, but it probably doesn't really matter in the larger scheme of things because Christ has already set me free from this sin. I've already been forgiven, so I can give in. But in doing that, we just return to the same slavery that we were in before. You have been freed from such sin. So why live in it? If you give in to the temptation of the flesh, it will not lead to greater fulfillment, but rather it will lead, as verse 15 tells us, to division, strife, and hatred. Look at that verse. It says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. You see, you have been freed to fulfill the law through loving service to God and your neighbor. But if you allow your freedom to be a means of indulging the flesh, you will end up accomplishing the complete opposite. Instead of love, you will destroy your neighbor. And in the process, they will destroy you as well. Sin is like this. It promises fulfillment, but in the end, it only brings emptiness. So how are you going to use the freedom that you have been given in Christ? The freedom that you have from the law. The freedom that you have from sin. Fight the temptation of the flesh. And fulfill the law through serving your neighbor in love. You see, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So how will you live out that freedom in your life? The third thing that I want you to see in our text for this morning is that we must follow the Spirit if we would live in the freedom won for us by Christ. Look at verses 16 through 18. There Paul says these words. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Paul says that the Galatians are to walk by the spirit, and that they are to be led by the spirit. You see that in verse 16, he starts by saying, walk in the spirit. Verse 18, led by the spirit. And what he is arguing is, is that if you walk by the spirit, if you are led by the spirit, then you will not give in to the temptations of the flesh. That is to say, if you desire not to be enslaved by sin on one side and legalism on the other side, then you must Follow the Spirit, for it is only in following the Spirit that you will be free. Now, what does Paul mean when he says that Christians are to walk or to be led by the Spirit? Often we have a misunderstanding of this principle. We we think it means something along the lines of, look inside and follow your instincts. But we must be very careful with such ideas. For Paul has just said that the spirit and the flesh are at war with each other. Within each Christian, there is this ongoing war. For you have been given the spirit of God. You have been given the spirit of Christ that is your possession. 
But you still have the remnants of sin in your flesh. And therefore, there is going to be a continual tug and pull towards indulging the flesh, towards sin. And there is this battle that is going on within you. So often when I counsel Christians that are struggling with sin, they'll say, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I'm struggling so much with this sin. And I say, that's a great sign that you are a Christian. Because that means that the Spirit is doing battle within you. A struggle with sin is a great sign that you are following after Christ. Because Paul has just said right here that they are at war with one another and your flesh is trying to get you to do things that you don't want to do. But the question is, then how do I do the things that I do want to do? How do I love my neighbor? How do I love God the way that the Word of God has called me to do? Well, Paul says, be led by the Spirit. Paul says, walk by the Spirit. And what we understand is that this does not mean just look inward and find your answers. I had a pastor friend of mine tell me a story of a man that was in his congregation. He was dedicated and uh, to, to the church. But he became involved with another woman in the church that was not his wife. And so, being spiritual people, they decided that they would pray about this. And he explained to the pastor that he and his new love had prayed about it and that the Spirit told them that they were to divorce their spouses and to marry each other. Does that sound like the Spirit? It's not the Holy Spirit, that's for sure. But if we think that following the Spirit is just following what we want to do, then we will indulge the flesh. But to be led by the Spirit means that we follow God's Word not according to our own strength, but according to the strength of the Spirit that has been given to us. We don't look to the flesh for answers, but we look to the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God, and by the power of the Spirit within us, we follow what the Spirit has already told us to do. To walk or to be led or to follow the Spirit means that you now have the grace to walk in love and to fulfill the law of love through Christ. Now you might say, Well, I feel like I have no power to love my neighbor and to love God as I ought. And I would say to you, you're right. On your own, you don't have the power. You don't have the power to do what God has commanded you to do. And that is what is so wicked and deceitful about sin. It steals even your will to obey God. But in Christ, you have been set free from sin. In Christ, you've been given the power to love. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can now overcome the flesh. And in the constant battle you have, you can serve and love and obey. So walk by the Spirit. So the question now is before us again. What will you do with the freedom that you have been given in Christ? You have been freed from the law. You have been freed from sin. And you have been given the power by the Spirit to walk according to God's Word. So what will you do now? I think that it is a question that we all need to 
seriously ask ourselves, what do I plan to do with my freedom? Again, students, you have been given a great freedom. It's not often in your adult life that you will be given a summer break, so don't get too used to it. So what are you going to use your freedom for? Will you merely indulge yourself over the next several months? Or will you use your freedom to love and to serve? For you have a multiple of options to serve in your home and in the community. You can serve your family by helping around the house. You can serve in the community. There are places like the soup kitchen or the food pantry that need young folks to come in to serve and to love. You can serve your neighbors by offering to mow their lawn or babysit for free. You can serve our church by volunteering for things like VBS. You have been given great freedom in your time. Now is the call to walk in the freedom that Christ has won for you and to love your neighbor as yourself. Many of us dream of having a retirement in which we have the time and the financial freedom to do all the things we couldn't do when we were raising kids and working. And many of you in this room, even now, have come to this place in your life. And the question is, what are you going to do with the freedom that you have been given? Do you have a vision for serving your brothers and sisters in Christ with love? Do you have a mission for this stage in your life? to give the extra time and extra money that you have available to you to lead ministries in the church, to serve one another in love? Do you have a call to visit or to serve our missionaries who need your prayer, who need your financial support? Maybe you have even felt a call yourself to go into full-time mission work because you are finally financially independent and you can do this to love and to serve this world for Christ. You have been given freedom. Don't use it for self-indulgence, but for love and for service. For so many of us, we have this image of our lives and we plan for this, that we will work and save and work and save so that at the end of our life, we can indulge the flesh for a, a decade or two. And that might be okay for the world, But you have been bought by the blood of Christ and it's not okay for Christians to spend the last years of their lives indulging the flesh before they go to meet their king who poured out his blood for their life. And so for many of us in this room, if you are working or you are about to reach retirement or you are in retirement, you need to begin to make plans for how you will use your freedom. So that you can love your neighbor and you can love God with all that you are. For we are called to fulfill the law of love, which means self-sacrifice, not self-indulgence. So what are you going to do with the freedom that you have received in Christ Jesus? There are times for rest. There are times for vacation. You know, I might say that I'm going to do all these things while April is out of town, but really in the back of my mind, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to rest. 
Because I need it. And you do need to rest. But the pattern that has been given for us in the Word of God is a one in seven pattern. That we would work six days and we would rest one. That for six days we would give our lives in service and love for one another. And for one day a week we would love and serve God. And so I call you Christian. You have been given great freedom in Christ. Therefore, do not indulge the flesh, but fulfill the law of God in love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we come to you now in this time with this great paradox before us that we have been freed in Christ, that we might be servants and slaves to Christ. So we pray, O God, that you would make us faithful servants and that we, O God, would follow your spirit. We pray that you would give to us faithfulness, maturity, and fruitfulness all the days of our life. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.